Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Radio. You know, we have a treat for you tonight, so appropriate on this Hallow's Eve. Do you believe in ghosts, reincarnation, paranormal activity, 
Have you ever experienced clairvoyance, precognition, psychokinesis, or telepathy? My guest has experienced all of this and more, and we will be learning all about his experiences, all very real, in just a few minutes. This is your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. My guest, Dr. Bruce Olav Solheim, was the first person in his family to go to college. He served for six years in the U.S. Army as a jail guard and later as a helicopter pilot, for which we are very grateful. Thank you so much for your service, Dr. Solheim. He also earned his Ph.D. in history from Bowling Green State University and is currently a distinguished professor of history at Citrus College in Glendora, California. He's also served as a Fulbright professor at the University of, I don't know if I'm going to say these Norwegian words properly, Tromso in northern Norway. Now, Bruce founded the Veterans Program at Citrus College and co-founded the Manuel Martinez and Ginger D. Villarose, the Boots to Books Transition Course, which is the first college course in the United States designed specifically for recently returned veterans. And a kudos to all of you for that. What a great thing. He has published eight books and written seven plays, two of which have been produced. He is married to Ginger, the girl of his dreams, who is a professional helicopter pilot and certified flight instructor. And we are most fortunate to have him here with us now. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? Oh, well, th- thank you very much. I'm doing, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here on this uh, Halloween. It's my favorite holiday of the year. So, I bet it is. Very lucky to be here. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? It is a crazy world, you know? I know, I know. Um, timeless. I love the name. I love the color mm-hmm. cover design, the stories and depictions, but mostly I loved the first line of the prologue, which reads, it's not that I believe in ghosts, it's that they believe in me, so I have no choice. I smiled and laughed, and I found that to be very inviting. So let's just say it was one of those you had me at hello moments because I thought this is going to be a great book. (laughs) So first, first I want to thank you so much for signing the book you sent to me. You inscribed it, and whenever an author does that, well, for me, that book is definitely a keeper. So it's very, very special, and I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you. You're welcome. No, it, it, they are just so special. I, you know, 10 years, a book a week that I read for the show, and really I only have like one shelf of books <laughs> that, that people have signed, <laughs> so I am honored and I, I truly appreciate it. But moving on, I wanted to start by asking you, what was it that prompted, I mean, you've written eight books, but what was it that prompted you to write this book? Well, uh, I've been having paranormal experiences since I was four years old, started in northern Norway with an angelic uh, uh, near-death experience. And it just kind of opened up the floodgates and the doorway for me to the paranormal. And my mother was, was psychic, so I, uh, I had all these, uh, you know, kind of things that have happened. And I, but I kept it on the back burner. I've been, you know, I couldn't really bring it up in the military. That wasn't a, a place I could do it. Uh, in the corporate world, I worked for a while. I couldn't really talk about it there. And in the academic world, 
it's kind of like, uh, you know, I figured it'd be academic suicide uh, to uh, to bring it up there. I mean, can you imagine in a job interview as a professor and it's okay, you got a PhD, you do, and uh, and what other skills do you have? Well, I I talk to dead people. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you very That's much. We have other candidates. <laughs> but uh, so I I was I was really afraid to 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 really you know to to talk about these things. Although I would tell ghost stories and stuff to my students here and there, and they enjoyed it. But uh, it was two years ago that uh, I had a, a really profound experience, and I've, I've had uh, uh, you know, visions of people and talked to, to the, those that have passed on before. But a friend of mine died two years ago, a dear friend. We grew up together from little children until you know, just two years ago when he died, and he died of uh, cancer. He was uh, also Norwegian-American. His, his dad was from Norway, came to America at the same time, 1948, as, as my parents. And... Uh, a month after he died, uh, he came to me and he made it very clear. Uh, he 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 told me that it, it is time to to let people know what you know and to publish this book. Uh, you published all these other books. You've helped people. You've helped veterans. But now you need to move into this other thing that you've been thinking about your whole life, which I have been and experiencing it. And it is time to to do that. And he actually gave me the title of the book, Timeless. So I owe it all to my my friend Gene. And I'd been collecting these stories, and then I started, uh, you know, I started writing, and the, the writing was very manic. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, just two years ago that this process started and it just got published. So uh, I've I felt a, a great need. Well, every book that I write or every play that I write, I, I feel like it's it's I have to do it. I'm compelled to do it. It's not just something I sit down and say, oh, I think I'll write a play. It's uh, mm-hmm. no, I have to do this, and I have to do this, and and uh, this book had to come out. And it had to deliver the message that it has. And I think the timing is just right. I sense like a paradigm shift going on where people are really hungering and searching for answers and, and you know, developing who they naturally are as natural people. And uh, so I think the timing is right. But, I, yeah, so that's what, that's what prompted me. And it broke through that fear, which turned out to be pretty much an unfounded fear. I've been very much accepted by my colleagues and, and the the college, who's they've actually the administration has allowed me to teach a community ed course, um, uh, a paranormal personal history course. We, we just completed our our course last night. Uh, and it was an eight week course and wonderful, thirty five wonderful people. I probably could have had a hundred people. There were people on a waiting list, and I was I underestimated. I thought I hope I get twenty people, you know, so they don't cancel <laughs> the course, you know. And the people were just knocking down the doors to get in, and it, it's people are just hungry. And they really want they a forum to, to to find out. They they want some kind of structure to understand what you know what kind of theoretical frameworks are we working with. Let's talk about definitions. Let's get a baseline of understanding, and then let's share and let's feel comfortable to share. And that's really what they they wanted. And it was a very fulfilling experience. I learned so much from from the people in the course. Some of them were practicing psychics, at, and I actually had two colleagues uh, who took the course and, and loved it. One of them was very much a skeptic, and he said, you don't mind if I take the course even though I'm a skeptic. I said, no, I welcome skeptics, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, my own wife, you know, Ginger, my precious Ginger, she is, she is very skeptical about things. And, I, and it's not that she doesn't believe me, but she just hasn't experienced a lot of stuff herself. So she keeps me grounded, which I think is very good uh, uh, as a person who experiences these, these things. It absolutely is. And, you know, it reminds me of Dr. Brian Weiss. I'm not sure if you're familiar. He's the father of, um, let's see, when you go to get a uh, digress, to have a past life 
regression rather. Oh, um, and okay. he came up with that when he was practicing psychiatry and he wrote a book and mm-hmm. now he's the one that, you know, is like the father of that because people understand it and they realize that, Hey, it's very real. People bring things in from past lives and such. So he had a lot he yeah. had to go through with his colleagues as well. And that can be very, you know, that can be very intimidating. You're just not really sure. But I agree with you. I think people are very, very hungry for this type of thing. You know, today's Halloween. Somebody said to me, Happy Halloween. I looked at them and said, Isn't every day Halloween? I and mean, look at the world. It's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> every day is Halloween, you know? It, it can be scary, and, yeah. It can be very scary. Yeah, and people want answers. And I think that, you know, this is a good way to do it, to let them know the more people that write books and talk about their experiences, the better off that we are because – some of us are too afraid to go down that road. Others of us don't mind. Um, I have experiences right. myself, so it doesn't bother me. But a lot of people in the work that I do, you know, I'm an energy therapist. And people don't accept mm-hmm. that easily either. You know, how can you do that? It's, it, it is something that you have to work on. It is a gift, and it does come to you. So, you know, but one of the things I noticed on you, I wonder if you've ever been asked this question before. Your cover design, it's very interesting. And I noticed that the numbers add up to 66. Did you do that on purpose? Uh, no. If, in fact, it was uh, my uh, uh, the illustrator, Gary Dumb, uh, who's a famous uh, in the underground comics world. He, he was one of the principal artists on the uh, American Splendor comic book series, Harvey Picar, out of Cleveland. Uh, and there was a movie made about Harvey's life. And anyway, Gary was a good friend of Harvey's, and he's, he still lives in Cleveland and he came up with the design, so I, I didn't, uh, other than just approving it, no, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. <laughs> I didn't Isn't know that. It? Okay, yeah. nobody asked you that before. I... <laughs> no, nobody's asked me. That's very, that's very that, yeah, that, that's very observant, very observant. Yeah. Well, I do a lot of numerology, too, so it was just, you know, it's one of those oh, things okay, where it's cool. just like I'll add the numbers, and I thought, oh, my God, it adds to 66. I bet he did it on purpose. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> I'm, I, yeah. I'm going to make note of that, though. That's very interesting. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> But one other um, one of the things that you wrote about in your book, which I I loved, it was the very first story, your first experience. And so I was wondering, would you be willing to share that so that we can talk about that for a bit? Yeah. So my my experience with the the angelic experience in northern Norway, mm-hmm. what, what yes. started this whole thing? Yeah. So at age four, uh, my parents uh, and, and I and my brother. Uh, moved to Norway for nine months, uh, where my parents are from, from a very remote island 200 miles above the Arctic Circle. And we lived with my grandmother, my f- my father's mother. And it was an old farmhouse where my father was, was born. And uh, uh, it was in the wintertime, and I, I was outside playing in the snow with the other kids in the, uh, uh, in the village. And I started to feel very sick. I got dizzy. I, my body ached. I got a really bad fever. Uh, and my neck got really stiff where I couldn't turn my head from side to side. I can only look forward. And I knew I, something was terribly wrong. So I headed home to my grandmother's house. And my grandmother was in the kitchen when I got there. And she had this little bed because she spent a lot of time in the kitchen. And she didn't like to walk up and down the steep stairs. So she just had like a little resting bed there, little one. And I, she had me lie down. And it just kept getting worse and worse, and I, I, I um, had relatives come over because all of our neighbors are our relatives in that little village, and they came over, and they started saying very scary things like, oh, my goodness, this is what happened to Uncle Sven when he got polio, you know, the day before it struck, you know, and or this is what happened to your eldest uh, brother when he died the next day. He got suddenly sick, and, and, and this is such an isolated place. There's no hospital to go to. 
so you're totally isolated. The only way on the island is by boat or by a small plane at the north end of the island. And uh, so I, I was frightened. You know, they were just scaring the heck out of me, and I, I was crying, and I drifting off into like an uneasy sleep. And then uh, I, I woke up, and there wasn't anybody in the kitchen when I woke up, and I saw a, uh, a bright light and a very warm. I had this warm feeling. It was a great deal of warmth and a bright light above me in the uh, in the ceiling beams of this old farm kitchen. And uh, I felt like everything was going to be okay. It took away all my fears, everything. I just knew that I was going to be okay and, and taken care of and protected. And I went back to sleep, and I slept very soundly. And when I got up, I was completely well. I, I, had not, I didn't have any sign of what had happened uh, the night before or the day before. And my mother, I told my mother and my grandmother what happened, and they both said it was a miracle and that it was my guardian angel that had uh, saved me and protected mm-hmm. me and and healed me and from that day on i just i've had paranormal experiences you know very frequently but but kind of randomly you know very frequently but randomly throughout my life and uh that's where it all started so with that angelic very wonderful you know near death experience and i've had a medical person a nurse actually tell me you know i told that story and she said you know that sounds like uh you might have had meningitis and that's very deadly you know meningitis is very deadly mm-hmm. Especially in an mm-hmm. area where you have no, no access to a hospital or anything. So, yes, that, and that's how the, it you know, started. It, that opened the floodgates. <laughs> and and in the book, you had said, you know, you often wondered if it was a healing. And I'm like, yeah, that was a healing. I know that for sure. <laughs> that was definitely yeah. a healing. When I'm working on people, yeah. I bring in the angelic realm, and so it was. Yeah, you definitely yeah. got a healing out of that one. But. You know, and so that was a really good experience, you know, but were you afraid of these experiences as a child, especially where you didn't know, you you probably didn't see them coming, they just occurred. Were you ever, you know, like afraid that to have them, not what was happening at the time it was happening, but were you afraid that, oh my gosh, I might have another one? Was it ever a fearful thing for you? I I don't remember being afraid. In fact, I I remember having this kind of certainty that I think the, this idea of being timeless kind of stuck with me as a, as a kid. I remember thinking as a young child, I, I wonder if I've died before and I'm this new person. And, uh, you know, not that I had like a memory of what I was before, but I just had this inkling that, that uh, you know, that something might have happened and that I am, uh, you know, living on as another, maybe as another person. And that, that's kind of thing, maybe an odd thing for a little kid to think, but I remember thinking that. And uh, and then I used to like to uh, and I drag my little friends when I could to the local graveyard is about a mile away. We'd ride our bikes and I wanted to have lunch there. I felt very comfortable among the uh, the gravestones as an old, you know, the old gravestones. And uh, mm-hmm. they would stay for a while and then they stopped coming because they thought it was creepy and they didn't understand why I wanted to do it. And and so I I, I don't think I've ever been frightened of, of the, just those kinds of things. It, but there have been some very some frightening experiences that I've had. Most of those have had to do with, uh, you know, some kind of a, you know, a, a, an evil presence, a demonic presence, which is that's also out there. Which is, it, I wish it wasn't, but it is. It is there. So, and I've had some of yeah. those experiences, which are frightening. Yes, and the experiences that you had, you had quite a few where your guardian angel was involved and, you know, early yeah. on, the first few stories in the book. So you really had that person, like, on call working for you constantly. They were certainly in, you know, not in, unemployed. <laughs> yeah, they, I kept them busy, that's for sure. I, I always you tell did. people, you know, you should 
you should, uh, you know, I think everybody has these protectors, but you you don't want to test it. You know, you don't want to like take too many chances and just rely on it constantly. So, yeah, no, but exactly. you can call on them for help. I'm constantly talking yes. to angels for help. Constantly. Yeah. You know, because there's an angel for everything. I'm like, look, I need help with this. So where's the angel? Even stupid things, like when my contact lens won't go in my eye right, I'll say, okay, contact lens angel, you got to help me with this. i got to get moving here. <laughs> and the next time I try, it goes in. I'm like, okay, thank you. Um, and you have to thank them, too. They like to be thanked just like the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're, they are looking out for us. And, uh, you know, I have... Uh, two, uh, I, I guess they'd be called in in the parlance that's used. You know, the uh, uh, spirit guides, and one of them is is an, uh, an, at least she has wings. So I, uh, you know, she's kind of an angelic presence. And then uh, the other one's kind of a strong man, kind of a warrior type, but a very silent warrior. And and that he is more of a protector. You know, uh, very strong. And the angels more of the spiritual guide. You know. But they're both kind of, I guess, gatekeepers and protectors for me. And I, you know, it's not like I totally rely on them, but I do on occasion uh, do, you know, they are there and and I know they are. And it's it's a wonderful feeling. It, it is a, a remarkable feeling, you know, beyond almost beyond words when you think about it. It is. It truly is. And, and even though, you know, we're talking about paranormal experiences, which, Yes. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I'm learning as more people come forward, as more things happen to me, my friends, I have mediums and psychics who are friends. Uh, I don't put out that I am a psychic or a medium, but when I get a message when I'm working on someone, I certainly do deliver it because I feel I'm supposed to. That's why I was, it was given to oh, me. Sure. Um, it's, it's becoming more normal in reality, in, in the reality that oh, we I know totally as we're living here in the physical form. Yeah, because it's all energy, I totally you know, just a different form. And that's what connects yeah. us as humans, don't you think? I, think? I think it connects all of us all around the world, all cultures, all ethnicities, everywhere. And, and it's, if we were to understand it more and share the stories, which is what I encourage people to do with the book, is to share their stories, not be afraid and to to live uh you know live their life without this horrible paralyzing fear of death you know realizing that we are timeless and we need to spend the the physical time we have in these physical bodies making the world a better place and if everybody related those experiences i think we'd be a lot better off we'd be doing less have less conflict and and problems than we do currently yeah, if everybody maintained their own energy field too, you know, we wouldn't have the bickering and the bullying and all that's going. It's just, it's just too much. The no. uh, one of the things that you've experienced, or I should ask you, have you experienced precognition, and was it helpful to you? Yeah, and uh, I did have a precognitive dream on the morning of nine eleven before all that went down, and uh, what I found out later, <clears throat> in doing some research and 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 uh, about it that I was not the only one. There were lots of people. I, yeah. I don't know if it's in the, in the millions, but there's a lot of people that had this precognitive dream. Now, mine wasn't specific. Like, I couldn't have called up, uh, you know, some agency and said, hey, that they're about to attack, you know, or whatever. It was, uh, <clears throat> I woke up in the morning, and uh, the, the, the precognitive dream was that the entire world was crumbling. Like, it was the, the, mm-hmm. the ground under my feet, was there was fissures opening up and you know rumbling like a terrible earthquake like like we have here in Southern California, and uh, and the mountains were crumbling and crumbling down and it just it was so horrific you know this uh, apocalyptic thing I woke up sweating and I told my friends when we went to breakfast and before we uh, 
went to the uh, we were in Norfolk visiting the Norfolk Naval Base when it when it happened and uh so I I you know it was symbolic and it was very clear to me that it was very symbolic after it happened I I thought wow this is uh this is exactly what uh what is happening our world is is crumbling apart is falling apart is beginning to fall apart you know the world that I thought we had and yeah. um <clears throat> and I and the other thing kind of interesting about that experience was um that we had, and this is about timing and, and protection. And uh, I had uh, our return tickets were for September 12th, 2001, on Flight 77, American Airlines from Dulles to LAX, which was the exact same flight that hit the Pentagon a day earlier. Mm. So had yep. had the terrorists said, "Well, let's wait another day. Let's go 9:12," uh, I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So I feel and, a very you know, special fun- connection to those folks. Yeah, and and you're right. A lot of people have had uh, precognition about it. Probably about a week or two before it happened, I knew something big yeah. is coming. I don't know what it is. It is not pretty. Yeah. It is not going to be good. And that morning, I remember getting up, I, and I lived in Massachusetts at the time. The sky mm-hmm. was never so blue. It was gorgeous. It was so yeah. blue. And I was driving to have a root canal. And as I'm in the chair, and they're drilling on me, I'm and, and it's happening, I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. And I have those things when it's big events. I knew about Princess yeah. Diana. I knew, you know, mm-hmm. it, and you just don't, you can't, like you said, you can't finger point it and call anybody, but you know, something's coming and it's not good. And it's just not going to yeah. be good. And you know, it's not really personal. Like, I knew I would be okay, but I knew mm-hmm. others would not. And it's very scary. And yeah. you can't really rein it in or train yourself, as far as I know, to to get any other information when you ask questions you don't necessarily get an answer but that i found that to be scary and one of the incidents i found in your book to be scary was the one in the apartment in germany when you saw the figure yes. in the window from a <laughs> oh my goodness green and now you yeah, went from that, that apartment after that was well, that was scary for you too right <laughs> it was it was a terrible experience and it's an example of telekinesis not me having you know, uh, uh, you know, mental powers to move something, but some other some other person who had some, you know, obviously some dark motive. But yeah, that 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 experience where uh, you know we're living in a Gast house, which is like a German uh, restaurant tavern, and uh, we, there are rooms to rent above it, and we we're very close to the base and uh, where I was stationed in Mannheim. And um, the uh, there was a green belt behind our uh, where our apartment was, and there were some bigger apartment buildings behind that. And I woke up one night in the I felt I, like I was being tugged off the bed, like somebody was grabbing my feet and pulling me off the bed. My wife was right next to me at the time, and she wasn't. She was just asleep, so I, I was very startled, and I got up, and I was kind of looking out the window that faced that, that, that uh, green space uh, behind our apartment, and all of a sudden on the nightstand, uh, everything started to vibrate. It started like the, the, uh, her hairbrush, her, her little hand mirror, a clock, you know, alarm clock. Things just started to vibrate. Some of them actually fell off the nightstand, and I, I first I thought it was a, an earthquake, and then I looked around and nothing else was shaking. It was just the stuff on the nightstand and the nightstand itself. And then I happened to look out across the green belt, and I saw an apartment with a very dim light in it, and there was a figure of a man there, and he was pointing at me. And as soon as he noticed that that I that I saw him. He he his arm dropped and he kind of disappeared into the shadows and he moved in a very strange way and as soon as that happened the the, the uh, uh, vibrating stopped 
So I don't know what why he was doing it, and and uh, but it was I think a clear example of, of telekinesis used against me for some some not good purpose. And and my wife at that time who was very psychic too, and she uh, she had a feeling that in that apartment somebody had committed suicide. So whether this guy had something to do with it, I don't know. But I know that we we moved very soon after that that incident. It was not a maybe good that was it. That they was, wanted you to move. You know, or yes, get them out. That could be. You never know. That, but the, another one that came yeah. up was with Charlotte. When you went to Mount Adams and you found an object and you yes. kept the object. Now, you kept yes. the object and someone, I, it, there was a telephone call with someone who told you to put it back. Why in the name of heaven didn't you put it back? I, I never was able to get back there for various reasons. There was just a lot of, there was a lot of turmoil in my life at the time. And I just, I, I could not get back there. I wanted to go back and put it back. And, and I just couldn't. And I had been told by the, the Native American, you know, the tribe, the Yakima tribe. And yeah. The lady who I called was, she was, <laughs> she just said, uh, many people take our artifacts from, the, and it, I wasn't on an Indian reservation when it happened. I was just in the, in the, you know, state forest or whatever. Uh, by Mount Adams, but uh, it was clearly something old and had been fashioned to make it look like a human being. And uh, I, I, uh, she, you know, and I had this incredible experience that night communicating with somebody who was a uh, a shaman, a Native American shaman. I remember his name was Leon or Leo or something, Leon, I think. And so I, I, I told all this to uh, uh, this lady at the Yakima tribe, the cultural center there. And she, all she said was, put it back. And I said, well, don't you want me to bring it to you and research it? And what? And she just hung up on me. It was very <laughs> matter of fact. It's like, you know, I, know. I already told you what to do. You know, you're, you know. So, uh, and I never got around to. So I left it at the uh, where the place where I was staying. And I, you know, I've I've always thought I should go back and see if it's still there and if there are people who are there, you know, to to you know to take it back. But I, I haven't had a chance to do that. Uh, yeah, if it, you if just this, left it in the attic. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, I do feel bad about that, but I haven't had a chance to do it. And I think it was rather odd to show up at that person's house and say, do you mind if I look in your attic? There may be a uh, an item there that might be uh, causing problems for you if you've noticed any problem. So in, in a way, I feel like maybe I, I should do that if I ever get up there again. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that was question is, you guys okay? Is everybody okay? Because yeah, I left this demonic okay. <laughs> Yeah, but the other thing I, that I, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. The other thing that involved demons was the one that you made when you went to the pottery place. And I thought, yeah. why were you making that? I mean, I was laughing through the book because sometimes because yeah. it was scary, but I thought, Oh my god, I won't even use a Ouija board. I mean, they're not allowed. Yeah. I just will not you know, it's too scary I, I, because I do think demons out there. I, I agree with you. I think Ouija boards are not something to be, you know, it's not a toy. It's it's something that, that people, I think people should avoid them. I avoid them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this yeah. was a, it was a mistake on my part, and it had to do with uh, this crazy idea that I had that uh, there was this counselor of all people who worked in the prison where we were working at, and my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, uh, uh, he was kind of after her. And I knew he was, and he was trying to scare us with his, you know, he said he was a, uh, he said he was a witch or a warlock or whatever. And he brought us to his room and showed us, you know, but it, it obviously wasn't a white witch or warlock. It was obviously some kind of black magic that he was doing because he had a, a, you know, a satanic symbol on his, on his wall. 
And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at this book on demonology. I'm going to, I don't know why I jumped to that, but I thought I'm going to really scare him. I'm going to create this thing. So I, you know, I'm pretty artistic. So I was able to fashion this demon head and this odd guy that worked in the ceramic center on, on the, the base there. He came up and started saying, oh, I'm into demonology. And he just seemed to be way too interested in what I was doing, very personally committed to it, you know. So that kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I didn't. I didn't connect it yet. I didn't understand. I wasn't paying attention enough. So I brought it back to my girlfriend's room and uh, she wasn't there, but her uh, roommate was there and she let me in and I set it up on the nightstand. And I thought I'm going to show it to her and then I'm going to tell her, Hey, I'm going to scare this counselor guy with it. And maybe I'll, you know, and I was thinking maybe I can scare him away from her or scare him away from us or whatever. And, you know, kind of fight fire with fire or something. Idea. Yep. <laughs> and uh, as I was looking at it, I'm sitting there looking at it, waiting for my girlfriend to come back. Uh, I put some candles around it to make it even spookier, which made it even worse. And it was in, in front of a mirror, kind of this three-part mirror that sits on top of a table. And uh, its lips started to move. And it, not the rest of it, just its lips were moving, and they were kind of moving around. And it was just clay, right? Uh, but then I heard it making these kind of low, guttural, awful sounds. And um, I... Um, you know, saying, you know, the awful things, some which I could understand, some that I couldn't. But uh, at that point, my girlfriend comes in and uh, she says, what, you know, she noticed it right away. She said, what's that? And I said, well, I made it to, you know, scare off this counselor guy. And she said, you know, that when I was in high school, I made something that looked just like that. And it started to, you know, I started to connect with it and I got scared. So I threw it away. And, and I said, oh, well, that's interesting because it just talked. You know, not just this, you know, innocent as a babe in the woods, you know, to thinking about this stuff. And and she and she grabbed it. She goes, really? OK. And she grabbed it and she opened the window and it's on the third floor and she threw it out into the, the bin or dumpster or whatever outside of the uh, the barracks that we were living in. And, uh, she, uh, you know, it was it's a lesson in not messing around with things you don't understand, especially for people who have you know, that are kind of a lightning rod anyway, which I think I am for the paranormal kind yeah. of lightning rod. Yeah, but the thing is, you, you didn't put in the book, you said it, it landed in the dumpster. I'm like, did it break? It needs to be broken. Did it break? We don't know this. So then... Yeah, I, I well, it wasn't, other... it, it wasn't fired yet, so it was still the the, the clay, you know, still soft. Yep. It hadn't been fired. So, yeah, it, it uh, hopefully it, it got buried under some stuff and nobody found it and did anything with it. Oh, At least geez. I hope they didn't. <laughs> because when I read that and then I got to the story about the object that you found on Mount Adams, I thought, okay, see, this is kind of kooky because first we don't know if the other one's broken and now this one's left in somebody's attic. And yeah, I know. I'm thinking, some... were, you, were you not ever concerned that those demons in your experiences would follow you and continue to either haunt or taunt you? I had I had thought about that, and actually the first, uh, <laughs> even before this demon head thing was uh, uh, the first kind of really scary demonic type thing was uh, at, when I was at a very low, and I think this stuff happens at a low point in your life when you are, your defenses are low, you might have had a string of bad luck, things are, you know, you're not feeling good about yourself, your self-esteem is low. I think that's when these demonic type things can uh you know they're there and ready to jump in if you but you have to invite them you have to make the mistake yeah. and and uh and if you're very lucky you can salvage your your life from that but some people are not that lucky and but anyway so that first one it was at age 18 and I was uh I was still acting like a little kid I would 
when I was a kid, I would uh, cut through everybody's yard, jump over their fences. I never liked to walk on the roads. I just went the most direct route, you know, like kids do. And, uh, you know, I knew where all the dogs were, so I was able to avoid those road uh, yards with the big dogs. But um, I cut through this lady's yard, and this lady had been known kind of as a um, as a, we thought she was a witch. And there were all kinds of, you know, uh, legends about her that her husband had died and she left him sitting in a chair for two months until the neighbors complained. And and then she had blackberry bushes that grew to the top of her uh, roof line. So that horrified the parents who were worried about property values. But for us as kids, we just thought she was a witch and, and she was very reclusive and wore kind of anachronistic old fashioned clothes. And anyway, and she drove a very old car, you know, just, just everything fit. Um, and this one, I was cutting through her yard and I saw a light in the window and I just kind of glanced at it. And then I saw, Oh my goodness, she's in the window and she's there and she sees me and she's you know probably wondering what am I cutting through her yard for at night? And, and she has a candle and I, and she was a very scary looking lady. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, God bless her, but she was, you know, she had, uh, you know, white hair that stuck out, you know, in every direction. She had a very uh, uh, like an ulcerous uh, uh, growth on her nose that later turned out, I, I, I gather, was cancer that, that killed her. But um, she was just staring at me, and she I was like a deer caught in the headlights, and I just kind of froze. And eventually I was able to kind of pull away. And uh, then I made it back to my brother's garage where I was living. I had no job. I had no prospects. My my girlfriend and I were, you know, fighting all the time. And so it was a terrible point in my life. And uh, I went to sleep on this mat- bare mattress on this concrete floor in the garage. And in the middle of the night, a column of fire appeared at the foot of the mattress at my feet. And it came up in an arc over me and came down on at the head of the mattress where my head was and probably about six foot radius uh, above me and accompanying that column of fire that was moving like a current of fire, if you can imagine that, uh, was a, a very low guttural voice, not unlike the one that I would encounter in Germany later on. And it was, it seemed like it lasted for, you know, maybe a half an hour. It was probably only a few minutes, but it seemed like it lasted much longer. And, uh, that was it was incredibly frightening i was like pinching myself slapping myself okay i'm not dreaming this is really happening and uh i called my girlfriend and you know we had been fighting and she you know why are you waking me up i said well this thing happened and she said well maybe you should come by in the morning and i did and the first thing she said well maybe i should call a psychiatrist what do you think and i said uh no i that's okay it was just a dream don't worry about it i'm not going to admit to it because I thought that, you know, something terrible could happen to me more terrible, than, mm. you know, than the demon itself is that I could be committed somewhere. So, but it, it was, it was a very yeah, real right. experience and it, and it just, I think it was connected to that lady and she thought I was encroaching. I, you know, I was just being dumb, you know, ca- crossing through a yard, but she thought I was encroaching in her privacy there. And, and uh, so I think, I think she had something to do with it. And uh, oddly enough, I can say her name cause she's long gone and passed, but her name, aptly enough was Mrs. Burns. <laughs> mm, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. But other than that, I never had yeah. a real problem with her. But that, yeah, that was you, definitely, so that that was at age 18. Yeah, and you know, I'm so glad that you said a, a little bit ago that you do need to invite in the evil. You also need to invite in the good. And oh, you yeah. can 
make a, just a blanket statement. I mean, people say to me, what do you mean you don't believe in evil? I say, not for me. I just say out there, only God-light entity is allowed to be around me. That's it. And in my yeah. house and when I'm working on people, it's one of the first things I say before I put my hands over a person is only God-light entity can come in and help me with this healing of these people. And that's it. I think and that's, that's it. We do have the power to keep them away, and it doesn't really take that much. You know, you just have to be very clear and make sure yeah. you don't make any, any slips or anything because they're, they, they want us to think they're more powerful than they really are. But it's really you mm-hmm. have to invite them, and you pretty much have to allow them to do these things. And and uh, it, it, you know, this, it, whatever kind of if you're a very religious person that you know uses prayers or whatever, or you just say as you said, which I think is a wonderful phrase. Any of those things are very powerful, and they they, they can't deal with that. That's not something they you know. It's like a predator; they go after the path at the uh, whatever whatever you call it, the path of least resistance. You know, they don't right. want any resistance because there's plenty of people who would be willing to invite them in, and unfortunately for those people. And by the yes. way, I just thought of this. It's not in the book, but I used to work in a prison, and I noticed that all the really heinous murderers that I guarded had demonic tattoos. And I don't think that was a, yes. uh, a coincidence. I think they had no. marked themselves. And I asked them about it. I said, why did you put that on there? And I just started noticing it, whether it was in the military prison or later – in the uh, uh, maximum security state prison, they all had, most of them, the really heinous murderers, I mean mass murderer types, you know, uh, and they all had these demonic, uh, you know, type tattoos. And I thought, okay, they've invited, they've more than invited it in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now it's almost like they're saying, see, I'm a representative of it and I will follow through with yes. what you want. It's like they treat it like a god. And, you know, yeah. only light only light eliminates dark and only love yeah. eliminates hate. And if you have that much light and that much love within you, you know, I mean, we're all born very innocent. There's no preconceived notions about anything. And I believe that we're filled with love because we come from love. We're made yes. from love. and We are quite simply love personified. You know, yeah. it, it totally just makes agree. me wonder. Yeah. yeah that the, the evil that lurks in the beyond, the evil that you experience, the influences that we see in the physical happenings on our planet today are invited in by people. I don't think people genuinely, I think we all come in with love. We're taught. Yes. We're taught how to do the evil part. And that's a shame, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think that's where all no, that I, comes I, from. And people, it's a power. I thing. totally agree. And, and the spirit world is, is, you know, that's what my spirit friends and uh, tell me is that it is, it is love. That is the most important thing. And, and yep. in the spirit world, they, they live in absolute love. And I, well, I did ask them because, you know, people have asked me, too, since I've uh, you know, written this book. They've said, well, what about the really bad people? Not demons, but necessarily but really bad people. Are they, I, I asked my spirit friends, I said, are, are they there with you? And they said, well, the best way they described it, I thought it was kind of funny. My friend Gene said, well, they're in, really in a different zip code. <laughs> <laughs> they're in a different code. And I think they're they're probably surrounded by some of these really bad non-human entities. And I think if that's hell, maybe that's what it is. They didn't use that word. They just said it's kind of in a different zip code, so to speak. Uh and I think they they have and because it's all it's all love, you know, there there's, there's a separation. And I think uh-huh. they have based on what my spirit friends are telling me, they they have a chance to redeem themselves, but it could take many, many chances and, uh, you know, just uh, maybe almost forever for them to, to ever, uh, you know, to come back. They might have to suffer. Yeah. 
for for a very yeah. long time. So uh, yeah, but yeah. So that's it's it's so I've learned I learned stuff every day. I mean, every single day. I I well, did a connection this morning do, you know? with someone. Yeah, and I. It's just it, it's a learning process. The whole our whole time on Earth is supposed to be meant in mm-hmm. the physical body. It's supposed to be learning and evolving. And uh, but at the same time, you know, people spend so much time being afraid of death and. And when they're so paralyzed by fear of death, they they don't really live fully, and they don't help each other the way they're supposed to. And I think that's where we we get off the rails, you know, yeah, and things go wrong. And you know, it's really too bad yeah. we don't have special glasses like you know, akin to those that you wear in to see a a 3D movie. Because I think if exactly. we did, we would see spirit all over this planet. There, it's more populated yeah. than we perceive. It's so populated with spirit. And if you yeah. if you harness that in a in a loving way, if you come from your heart, and I'm always teaching kids this, you know, come from your heart. Always think of the love part. And with adults, I'll tell them, look, there's two roads. There's the road of love and the road of fear. That's it. Mm-hmm. And those are the two emotions. Fear is everything. Negative love is everything positive. If you find things yeah. aren't going right, it's time for you to put on your blinker and get in the, commu- the commuter lane, which goes much faster because love will take you where you yeah. need to be in a much faster way. You know, yeah. uh, and, and I think it's also part of trusting your gut and using your intuition so you can make the right decisions. And, you know, that's no. important, too. And that's totally all from love as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is, now, it is the most powerful it really is. It's the most powerful thing. It's a superpower. You know, what's your superpower? Yep. You know, your superpower is, is love and compassion. And, yep. you know, I mean, people have said to me, oh, T, you're smart. And I know I am because I test well, but that's the only reason. <laughs> you know, I also know <laughs> that I'm smart enough to know I don't know everything. And that's when you know you're smart. <laughs> you know, there's so much out there to learn. And the world is filled I mean, with so many unknowns that need to be explored, you know. Oh, and and look know. at your name, T. T. Love. There you go. <laughs> I married the love part, and I'm going to tell you, when I got to the chapel and I was walking down the aisle, I thought to myself, this is mm-hmm. not just a normal name change like all my friends have done. There's mm-hmm. something going mm-hmm. on here. I don't know what it is, but I think this is a job. I think I'm being given a job. And I discovered yep, that I was. Exactly. You know, and yep. as crazy as that sounds, because people, I mean, one guest asked me, he said, are you a pole dancer? And I said, no, but thank you for the compliment. And he laughed, and I said, I'll take it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's funny. <laughs> if you think I can do that, that's cool. But no, I didn't make up the name. That last yeah. name I got through marriage. Oh, But I did want to oh, ask you. Now, you have all these um, things that are going on with you, and, and I have similar things. But, I, you know, I don't say I'm a psychic or a clairvoyant or anything like that. I have used telepathy purposely in my life. As a matter of fact, I use it an awful lot in my life. Do you? I I I I I do occasionally and I you know it started with my mom we you know we used to read each other's minds uh with cards and stuff and freak my dad out who didn't accept any <laughs> of that so and she'd just wink at me and you know say okay you know listen to your father he said put the cards away but uh I I think that that uh it's very important like you can walk into a room and kind of sense what people are thinking already and it's very important for a teacher especially cuz I teach college history and I walk into a room and I can kind of sense what these people, sometimes I can actually hear their, their, their thoughts, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I can sense what's going on in this room. So I try to pick the right thing to say, like I'll say, everybody's a little tired today, you know, or everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's, let's all calm down a little bit. You all seem a little, little nervous. So let's just take some time. Let's talk about some of the things that are bothering you. And I, and I know really good, you know, counselors are, use that uh, all, all the time, and and people who are in very good relationships, I think they use it too. Sometimes they they might not 
they're, they're not quite sure that that's what they're using, but they, they do it instinctively. So I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do use it. Uh, and and some, it's just kind of an instinctual thing, you know, part of the yeah. uh, the uh, caring, loving part of, of, of who, who we are, you know, which is what you're doing and what I've mm-hmm. dedicated myself with, with teaching and also now this book and and uh and coming out with uh you know with this idea that uh it's not it's 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 another mission besides it's it's actually very compatible with teaching so it's it's really not any a big departure or anything even though it maybe seems like it on the surface yeah yeah, it's absolutely true, and and I think a lot of people, the telepathy part is instinctual, as is the intuiting, you know, when you're intuiting yeah. things about yourself, you know, uh, sometimes I'll, I remember yeah. once I, I was going to the grocery store, and I drove maybe a half mile, and I turned around and came home, because I clearly heard, go home, so I said, okay, so I went home, yeah. and I stood there, and like after 20 minutes, I said, can I go now, I mean, nothing's happening here, I need to go to the grocery yeah. store, and I got a definite yes. Now, I have no idea what I was being saved from or what was being prevented or if they needed to put out the groceries I needed and I wouldn't have waited. I don't know, but I know I went there and I came back very quickly and got everything I needed and I was done and I was happy. So I, I do do things like that as well. Um, sometimes you can it, see it is things important. coming. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. It's now, really important to, uh, to, to, to trust your gut like that. Yeah, very important. Yep. Yeah, in so many instances. I mean, you may never know what it is, but you don't need to know. You just need to know that you were protected, that you were guided, and you followed the guidance. And the more you do that, the more that you yep. get. And and that makes yep. it much easier on your life and for other people as well. Um, I, yep. I mean, I, said, I remember telling people a couple of times, don't. I, I, well, I was in a building once, and I said to the group I was with, I'm leaving now. Is anyone coming with me? And they said, well, you're driving, so I guess we are. And they were mad and walked <laughs> out the door, and I said, something's going to happen. Within 15 minutes, the yeah. floor fell. And oh, everybody on the first floor was in the basement. And I was like, yep, yeah. another place um, place burned down. And I was like, see, I told you. Now people say to me, you're going to let us know, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to stay here, okay? I'm not suicidal. You know, if, if I leave, I'm Follow gonna her. Leave too. Yeah, I am the leader. Follow or get out of the way, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, you are married to the girl of your dreams, Ginger. Yes. I have to yes. ask you, did you see that coming? <laughs> She, uh, well, you know, I've been married before, and and uh, uh, you know, and I've just, I'm, I'm in, uh, you know, an evolving person, and uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, I, I knew that. I mean, it was, you know, people say, oh, love at first sight, but it really was. It was pretty amazing, and we just uh, uh, hit it off just right away, and I, I knew this was the person, and and she has helped me in so many ways this book wouldn't have been possible you know you know none of the things i'm doing would have been possible with, without her she's absolutely the bedrock the foundation of uh, you know i i have these talents but i also need a, a very strong and she is a very strong she's a little tiny person and i'm a really big person so it's kind of funny we're kind of like mutt and jeff in a way uh but uh, you know she's a very strong person. I mean, you can't be a, a, a certified flight instructor, helicopter flight instructor, and deal in that you know that very macho world without being a very strong person. And and she was one of the few who who did it, who have those credentials. But she grounds me, and she uh, she she's you know just like the I, I'm going to use the word bedrock, you know, of of our relationship. And I get to do all the things I I've always wanted to do, but never had enough stability, you know, and, and she provides that. It's just uh, and I have it, to say, amazing. <laughs> it, it comes across in the book. Your writing, 
I loved your writing because, first of all, I read, you know, from cover to cover. So I'm reading the, the foreword or the prologue or whatever is there, whatever is there to be read. And I also read all the stuff that your publicist sends me. So I don't know where I read it, but I read about a little bit about your wife. And I thought, oh, you can tell that she's, she's really influential in his life and she's like his, his right arm and she's there, his strength. Yeah. It came through. Yeah. Whatever it was that, whether it was in the book or in the PR pieces, it came through. And, you know, I read it and I thought, good for him and good for her because that's a good match. You know, that when you have yeah. that match with each other, and I thought that's a great, wonderful thing. So kudos, you know, you got it, yeah. you got it right. Well, you did you. the right yeah, thing. Yeah, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the well, luckiest. We are coming, so that's what yeah, exactly. Myself. And when you think that, that's what <laughs> That's what makes it, yeah. you know, really important. Um, yeah. We're getting toward the top of the hour. I can't believe it because I could talk to you for like I know, hour. darn. It went fast. They won't let us. <laughs> but I did want to <laughs> okay. ask you, have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Anything at all that you want to tell them? Well, the, I, I like to, uh, and I, I think I signed your book this way, you know, this idea that I, I tell people to, to, to live, you know, to live forever and love forever. And I think yep. those are two really important messages that, that you know that I have that we do live forever and people can rest assured in that. And with that is you know love loving forever, and uh, yeah. the two go hand in hand. So I I that that's I think the most important thing. And and uh, I think that what more can you say than that? I guess. You know. And I agree with you. If you love, if you love forever, you will live forever because as you said, I refer to my body as my mobile home. I'm going to come back. I've been here before. I know that. Sure. I'm going to do something else the next time. This is just the mobile home I happen to pick for this ride, you know, and when yeah. I leave, now does that still scare me? Eh, a little bit when things go wrong. It's like I'm not ready to go yet. And then I realize, listen to right. what you're saying. You're not going anywhere right now. Because I think when you are ready to go, when you know it's your time, you come to peace with that, and that's when you go. Um, in many yeah. cases, not necessarily all. But, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I loved you did sign it live forever and you said thanks for your interest yeah. in your book live forever and I was like oh wow this is really cool so yeah love forever <laughs> and you will live forever and you'll live in a better yeah. space you know but your book people you know the holiday seasons are coming the season is upon us mm-hmm. actually and it, Christmas stuff is already out the Halloween stuff went away two weeks ago <laughs> you know, even though right, today's I know. Halloween oh. It's crazy. But this is a great book to give someone because as you read it, you might start to think of things that you yourself has, and therefore you can try to get your intuition going a little bit more and not be afraid and realize that, you know, you actually have control over what you can bring in and how you can react to things. And it, it's really, it's a very interesting book and it proves an awful lot of things that people may not believe that they may be skeptical about as you said your colleague right. who took your class and was skeptical so i applaud you for that it's well written it's um oh, it's a great oh, book I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and unfortunately we're almost thank out you. of time but i would like you to tell okay. our listeners how they can learn more about you and all of your books and where they may purchase our topic for discussion today timeless a paranormal personal history sure thank you very much i've really enjoyed our our talk and um it's at uh, my website is bruceolavsolheim.com and that's middle name spelled O L A V last name S O L H E I M and there you can see all the books that I have written uh, you can see that I've written about women leaders the Vietnam War foreign policy you know pretty standard history topics and then there's timeless which very much stands out from those uh, so in the the, book, the cheapest place to get timeless right now is on Amazon big old Amazon uh, 
995. So that I would recommend that for right now for the uh, the cheapest place to 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 get it. And you can also read my you know bio and some about my plays and other things that I've done too. A little bit about music because I'm also a musician. So I just uh, cool. there's many many ways to express yourself. <laughs> many fa- yes, there are many facets to this yeah. man, and it's worth checking out. So please do get go to Amazon, check it out, and you know, go to your local bookseller and ask them if they can get it for the same price. They may be able to do that, and you're helping support them yeah. as well. So, Give it a shot. Yeah. I think that's really important. I love bookstores. I really do. I do too. I spend hours yeah. in there, <laughs> and then I walk yeah, out yeah. thinking, "How am I going to pay for this bill?" But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of collect. All, I have books everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy, but I do the same thing. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised, so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need. 100% were run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. You'll learn about our fundraising campaigns, and you can see exactly where the money goes and how it helps kids in need. At Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. Thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on both Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof off my head I got a warm place to sleep So that's all I wake up in here When I remember how